Last Saturday, I had the chance to go and visit with my mom. It was her 79th birthday. Lori and I and Landon, we drove out to Bedford. On the way out, we stopped at the store and got her a card and a gift and picked up a Pepperidge Farm little cakes. Mom likes that coconut cake. So we got her one of those and a little chocolate cake. And so it's her birthday. And my brother John and his wife Cynthia were there. And together we peeled potatoes and we cooked dinner. We just had a wonderful time. I cherish those times because at 79, I realized that I only have so many more of those times. Each time I go out, I try to grab a hold of that and, and really just to, to cherish it. You know, you know what I mean? Because at a certain point, you see those numbers going up and you realize that the days that you have left are going down. Last year, they found some things in her chest and they were concerned about that and Some of those reports that you hear from doctors can cause anxiety to rise up in your heart. You know what I mean? Anxiety starts to come up in your heart, and and it's one of those things that kind of, if you think about it, you think about it a lot, it gets kind of stressful. You lay in bed at night, and I'm sure many of you have gone through something like that. And me and mom have talked about the fact that eventually the Lord's going to call her to go home and be with him. As I think about that, as I said, there's been numerous times where I've laid in my bed at night, And you start thinking about that and you start counting down the days or how much time you may have. And I've laid there in my bed numerous nights and and I've cried. I don't ever want to lose my mom. And and I want her to stay around as long as she can. But as you see her, she as I said, she gets frail. And if we're not careful on some of those things, as I said, anxiety and fear and stress and worry can just overwhelm us. And then you think about, well, what will I have to do? Mom says she's ready to meet the Lord. The thing that causes her concern is what will she have to go through to get there? What will be the things, what the doctor says, if you live long enough, you'll lose this ability and you'll lose that ability. And the thing that comes is what I notice when I think about those things. And there's a reason why I'm telling you this. The reason why when we start thinking about that, you start to become overwhelmed until... I start to think about the goodness of the Lord. The doctor told mom, well, if you live long enough, you know, she said, you know, eventually you'll be in a wheelchair. Eventually you'll lose your hearing. Eventually you'll lose your sight. Eventually this will happen and that will happen to you. And it becomes overwhelming until I sit down and I start thinking about how good God has been. Over the years, I can look back and I can see how faithful God has been, how God has answered our prayers, how God has delivered us. How every difficulty, every trial, God was right there in our midst. And I look at our family and I see all of these wonderful things God has done as I look back. And I look where God brought my mom from. You know, when she was a little girl, her dad was in an accident. He was institutionalized and uh, lived for a long time, a fair amount of time. But she lived without a dad and they were poor. and, And I just look how God provided for them and brought them. And as I thought about that, I said, well, God's always been good to us. He's going to be good to mom till the very end. He's really going to be good to her on the other side. Now, I want you to think about the Lord in your life. Has he been good to you? Have you found him once you've, when you've tested him? Has he proven himself to be good to you in the past? If he's proven himself to be good to you in the past, then I want to give you an assurance of this, that if he's been good to you in the past, he'll be good to you in the future. And in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of trying times, he will continue to be good because that's who he is. 
and he will even really be good to you on the other side. Psalms 31 verse 19 says this. It says, how great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take, notice who do what? Who take refuge in you before the sons of men. His goodness, how great is your goodness, which you stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who, notice the phrase, who take refuge in you. Before the sons of men. So everybody sees where you take your refuge. Everybody is going to see the goodness that God has stored up for you. The the psalmist also writes in Psalms 84.11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. Notice what it says. It says, The Lord bestows favor and honor. Look at the next line. No good thing does he withhold. From those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed, fortunate, happy, lucky, to be highly esteemed is the one in the next verse, is the one who trusts in you. Now I know that God is good, yet sometimes anxieties start to overwhelm us as we think about the future. It's in those times that the only thing that brings true peace is to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness, to remind ourselves that God has been good, He is good, and He will keep being good till the very end. Faith, faith is believing that we have a good God and that He protects us and provides for those who trust in Him. Faith is the currency in heaven. It's the thing in the kingdom that God highly values. You can come to him with nothing, but what he's looking for in your life is he's looking for someone who will believe that he's good and believe that he's faithful and believe that he can be trusted. God responds to people who come to him in faith. Do you remember the the parable of the prodigal son? You don't need to turn there, but it's found in Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32. And Jesus shared it to illustrate how good our Heavenly Father is. There was a wayward son who took his inheritance and he squandered his father's inheritance. And then he comes to his senses in the middle of a pig pen and he decides that it would be better for me to go home. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to ask my dad if I can come and work for him as a hired servant. You see, he had insulted his father. He had one of the most insulting things that anyone can do. Humiliated his father in public. Everybody knew about it. It was to his dad, he was in essence saying, you're as good as dead to me. Everyone in the community knew what he had done. And so he comes back and he starts to come back to his father. But before he could reach his father, his father sees him coming at a long distance. Aren't you glad that we got a father? whose eyes are always upon us? Aren't you glad that we got a father who's looking out for us and who has our best interests at heart? His father saw him from afar. And the father did not wait for him to get to the father. The father, when he saw him heading in his direction, the father ran towards him. If we would take the time, we're not going to do it, but if we take the time for a man of his father's statue to run, that wasn't a common thing. This would not have been a distinguished thing to do. 
Okay? And yet the father sees him from afar off, and the father takes off and running towards him, and he met him, and he embraced him. And instead of making him, his son starts to tell his dad, now listen, dad, I'd like to come back if you'll let me, and let me be a hired servant. Instead of listening to any of that, the father turned to his servant and said, bring out the best robe. Get a ring for his finger. Get sandal for his feet. Let's kill the fatted calf and let's celebrate. Now, when the older brother returned home from the field and he heard about the celebration, he became angry and he refused to go into his father's house. You ever notice how people can get angry pretty quick? It doesn't take a lot. Some are angry before they even get started, right? As you're here today, some of you might be angry. You may have had words on the way to church, and then we sit and act like everything's great, and you smile. You might be angry with your coworker. You might be angry with a neighbor. You might be angry with your children. You might be angry with your grandmom. I don't know who you're angry with. But I'll tell you this, it's not something worth hanging on to. Because of his anger, he wouldn't go into his father's house. Sometimes when we get angry, we kind of stay away from our father too, don't we? When we don't understand some things... We try to avoid him. But the cool thing is, is the father, once again, this is illustrating the father's heart. The father comes out to his son. His son's mad. He hears about it. He comes out once again looking for this son. And the father says to him, what's the matter? And the son complains. He said, look, dad, I've served you all of these years. Yet you never gave me a calf to celebrate with my friends. But as soon as this good-for-nothing bum of a brother that I have comes home, you kill the fatted calf, and you start celebrating and inviting everybody over. I want you to notice what the father said in Luke 15, verse 31 and 32. He says, son, you're always with me. And here's the line I want you to hear. And all I have is yours. He said, son, you've always been with me. Everything I have is available to you. We should celebrate Because your brother was dead, but is alive. He was lost, but he's now found. Do you see how the older brother perceived his father? He saw his father as a hard and stingy man. He believed he had to work to get something good from his father. He didn't realize that he already had an inheritance. That everything that his father had was available to him. He said, it's yours. Everything I have is available to you. He could have killed the fatted calf at any time for a celebration. Like the father in the parable, God has already given you an inheritance, my friend, in Jesus Christ. And if you don't hear anything, I want you to hear this one line here. I want you to listen closely. Don't allow your temporary circumstances to cause you to doubt God's goodness. Because even in the midst of difficulties, God is good. I want to say it to you again. Don't allow your temporary circumstances to cause you to doubt God's goodness. Because even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of hard times, even in the midst of awful days, God is still good. He doesn't change like the weather. He doesn't change like your mood. Come on now. 
Sometimes we're in a good mood and God's pretty good and we're in a bad mood and everybody's terrible. God does not change like that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so just because you're going through a trial or just because you had a setback or just because something went wrong today does not in any way change the character of God. God is good. He's faithful. He can be trusted. He can be depended upon. I don't know if any of you know where this verse is found, but I'm going to read to you two verses and, and maybe some of you might know where it is. It's from the English Standard Version, and it's actually an old song. They made it into a song where I remember in the 80s we would sing it. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Does anyone know where that's found in the Bible? Here's the thing. I doubt if many of you moms and dads, even those of you who do devotions every night, I doubt if many of you, your favorite portion of scripture to read your kids. Listen, little Landon, we're going to read the book of Lamentations tonight. I know you're three and you won't understand mothers eating their babies. If you read Lamentations to your kids, your kids will be having nightmares. Okay, your kids will be mentally ill. They'll be troubled. They'll be like, dad was reading to me something about moms eating their babies and being devoured by the sword. Most people don't like to read the book of Lamentations. It's not a real popular book. Jeremiah wrote it as Jerusalem is being destroyed in 580 BC. And the imagery that you find in the book of Lamentation, it's horrible. It really is. It talks about death and destruction starvation because of siege, parents eating their own children. But here's the amazing thing. I think it's ironic the way God works. Right in the middle of that five-chapter book, almost right in the middle of that third chapter, this promise comes out. Some of the most gracious words that God has ever put in the mouth of a prophet And those are the ones I want to read to you today because they're especially powerful when you realize when they are said and where they are said. There's some phrases that people can say it, but when it's said in a certain context, at a certain place, at a certain time, it has especially more powerful, more relevant meaning. And that's this scripture here. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 21 says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Remember what I said to you? I told you the story about my mom. There's those times that we start to call to mind, and this is what he's saying. He says, in this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Now that should blow your mind. Because these words, his mercies are new every morning, are spoken in a situation that was horrific. 
the priests and the prophets were being murdered, killed in the sanctuary. Parents were so hungry, they were eating their children. It's easy to say God is good when everything goes your way. But I want to declare to you, on the worst day of your life, when everything is falling apart, when you get the worst news that you could possibly ever hear, God is still good. I can tell you this, there are people in this congregation who have gone through those worst days of your life and they have found that whenever they got the worst news they could ever hear, whenever they had the hardest time, when life was falling apart, they found and they can testify to you today that in the midst of difficulties, the one thing they can depend upon, and that is that God is good. God is good. I bet you if we went around this room again and again, listen, I wish you would go around and talk to some of the people who are here. And they can tell you that they've proven, they've tested him. They've proven. Lamentation says 3 verse 22 or 32, if you skip down just a little bit there, it says, though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. Now, here's the reality. The mercies of God are sometimes, they're often hidden and they're hard to see while they're happening. It was ironic this week as I prepared this message. I was doing reading, reading some articles and reading some books and different things. And I kept seeing this phrase. Life is hard and God is good. I wasn't going to use the phrase. I wanted to focus on God is good and how good God is and how faithful he is and how he can be trusted. And again and again, I kept seeing this same phrase and I got a magazine from our district and I opened it up and just flipped through it. And the feature article was entitled, Life is Hard and God is Good. I think it's important that we recognize that because some of you have said, when we say that God is good, we think sometimes that that doesn't mean that life is not hard. Well, life can be hard, and life throws some things at us that aren't necessarily fair. But I found again and again that even in those difficult times, God is good. There's an author. I've read a number of his books. He, he writes on leadership and church administrative type things. And His name's Marshall Shelley. He used to be an editor for Christianity Today magazine. And on November 22nd, 1991... A few days before Thanksgiving, at 8.20 in the evening, he and his wife had a son. 8.20 in the evening. At 8.22, two minutes later, their little boy died. And Marshall wrote an article about it four years later called Two Minutes to Eternity. And he told the story of how the nurse was standing over his wife as she held her dead baby. And she said, does the baby have a name? And she said, yeah, he does. His name's Toby. It's short for a biblical name, Tobiah. You know what it means? Which means God is good. Can I really cut to the chase here? You can spend a lifetime being angry and being bitter at God. You can spend a lifetime questioning God. You can spend a lifetime with the question of why, why, why? It doesn't make sense. You you can look for answers that you may never get until eternity. 
you may never understand. You can be mad at people and you can be mad at the life and you can be mad at everyone. You can curse God and blame him for the difficulties that come your way. And you know what? All that does is keep you trapped there. You're just overwhelmed by fear. You're overwhelmed by frustration. You're overwhelmed by hopelessness. Or you can do what pleases his heart. And you can choose to say that God is good. Now, the crazy thing is, this is what happens. In the midst of your difficulties, you look back and you say, well, wait a minute. God was good here. And he was good here. Here's where we're at. We can spend our lifetime angry and frustrated. Or we can choose to believe that God is good. And then when we begin to believe that God is good, what happens is we begin to be released from the fears. We begin to be able to trust. We begin to move forward. We begin to move into the destiny that God has. As you begin to trust him, you do find that his mercies are new every morning. You do find that his faithfulness is great. To be able to say that God is good, even when you don't get your way, do you know what that's called? When you're able to say that God is good, even when you don't get your way, even when you don't get what you want, that's called surrender. Some people think it's called that you're crazy, that you're not being, you know, you're not in your right mind. Some people think it means that you are oblivious to the truth or blind to the truth. Now, when you're able to say, the Lord's good, He's faithful, what you're saying, what you're really saying is you're saying, Lord, I surrender. I trust you. And I don't have anywhere else I can go. Because again and again, you've proven yourself faithful. I don't know if you got your way this week. I don't know if your heart's broken this week. I don't know if somebody rejected you. I don't know if you found out some bad news about your health. I don't know what your circumstances are or what's going on around you. But I do know this. That in the midst of that, God is good. He's good all the time. My circumstances don't change His goodness. Other people's failures do not change His goodness. My weaknesses and my inadequacies do not change His goodness. He is good because that's who intrinsically He is. He is everything that makes up goodness. That's the God we serve. And I'm going to pray for you today. And this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask God to release faith in your heart that no matter what's happened, that you'll simply be able to believe that, that you'll be able to believe that He is a good God. I can trust Him. I can depend on Him. He'll take my difficult situations and He'll turn them around. And no matter what I go through, He's never going to leave me because His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Lord, as we come before You today, I thank You that You are a good God. Yeah, life can be difficult and life can be hard and circumstances can knock the wind out of us. But God, I thank You that You're still good. I thank you that you are trustworthy, that every promise from this book is true, that every promise that you have made, you will fulfill. Lord, I thank you that you started something good in our lives. 
and you will be faithful to complete it. I thank you that I can lean on you. I can put all my weight upon you. That's what faith is. It's leaning upon you and trusting on you because you will sustain us. So I pray in this room that supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, you would implant faith in the hearts of God's people. I pray when the bills come in that they would say God is good. I pray whenever the phone rings that they would say God is good. I pray when all the blessings come and your mercy is poured out on their lives that they would continue to say that you are good, that you are faithful, that you can be trusted. Father, I pray that as you pour that into our lives, just that truth that God is good, may it wash away all the tears. May it wash away the sadness. May it wash away the disappointments. May it take away the frustrations. And may faith and hope begin to rise up within our hearts in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name.